If you like this podcast, you're going to really like McClanahan Academy. Head over to McClanahanAcademy.com. That's McClanahanAcademy.com. Enroll. It's free of charge. You get a free class, 10 Myths of American History. When you do enroll, I've got nearly 20 classes there available for purchase. Go to McClanahanAcademy.com. Enroll today and get a real history education. Brian McClanahan Show, episode 743. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to the Brian McClanahan Show. Welcome back to the Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to have you back on the program. Very glad to be here. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, like my Facebook page, and subscribe to my YouTube page where you can watch this podcast. Find all those social media accounts on my webpage, brianmcclanahan.com. That's B-R-I-O-N. McClanahan.com. Why are you there? Give me that email address. I'll give you a free ebook, Forgotten Founders, free audiobook of the same title read by yours truly. Support the show by going to McClanahanAcademy.com. Look, time is running out. In fact, today is November 30th. If you're listening to this on November 30th, 2022, it is the last day to get my Black Friday coupon at McClanahan Academy. 30% off site-wide. All courses. Black Friday 2022. It's the best deal I'm offering. It's the best deal I've offered all year. And you can save on everything from the bundles to the single classes, inexpensive to expensive classes. They're all there, 30% off. Just go to mclanahanacademy.com, put in the code BLACKFRIDAY2022 and get the deal. If you're on my email list, you've already gotten information on this. So when you give me that email address, I send you the coupons. But this is it. Last chance to use it. It's over today. So don't miss out. You can also support the show by clicking on the support tab at brianmcclanahan.com. Go to anchor.fm. You can subscribe there. You can also click on the little heart button under this video if you're watching on YouTube. You can buy a a product at brianmcclanahan.com on the shop tab. Get my logo and all kinds of cool stuff. Make great Christmas gifts. Buy my books. Lots of books out there to buy for that Brian McClanahan Show fan in your life for Christmas. So you've got that coming up. But as always, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Give it that five-star review. Leave a text review. Let people know you like it. Share it around on social media. Send me those show requests. I do want to know what you want to hear. And this is a listener-generated episode to a point today. It was sent to me by a colleague. Um, and it's about the... Confederate monuments that were taken down in Virginia. Now, I want to make this a bigger issue than just that. I want to talk about this article in quite a lot of detail, but I want to start actually with the Arlington Confederate Monument. And a few weeks back, I did a little video for the Abbeville Institute on that monument. It was about an eight, seven minute video on a brief history of the monument and what's happening with it. There is a group out trying to raise money to block the removal of that monument through legal means, and you should contribute to that. Um, it's um, Save Arlington, I think, is the name of the group. And they're trying to raise, I think it's $20,000, and they have matching funds to go out and hire an attorney to do this. Um, this is fantastic because there is nothing short of uh, barbarism that these people against these monuments won't be willing to do. I mean, they're willing to do anything to get rid of them. And that's apparent in this particular piece as well. That we're going to talk about by Catsby Lee at the City Journal. But the Arlington Monument, there was a great article about this in Chronicles Magazine. I was going to talk about that monument a little more detail, but just looking at the entire picture in Richmond, 
uh, gives you perspective on what these people really want to do and who's behind all this stuff. There's a movement now with Stone Mountain. Uh, they're going to contextualize, quote-unquote, Stone Mountain, which is, which is going on at the direction of the governor of Georgia, Brian Kemp. You see, this is where people think, we can just get Republicans in office. We just get Republicans there. They're going to save these things. They're not. None of them will. Ron DeSantis, I talked about on, on Monday of this week, is not interested in saving Confederate monuments. Brian Kemp is not really interested in saving Stone Mountain. I don't think that he would allow it to be sandblasted. But I do think that he would allow just about anything else to take place at Stone Mountain to uh, take any charges of racism off the table against him. And this is where the left is very powerful emotionally because no one wants to be called bad names. No one does. No one out there wants to be called bad names and, of course, charged with things that could make your political career impossible or even your work life impossible. I mean, nobody wants to be charged with that. And so simply by making the charge of racism over and over, if you just say, look, I, I think we should keep Confederate monuments where they are. I think that we should, we should uh, look at these as works of art, part of American history and heritage. Uh, even if it's something as vanilla as that, if you don't want to go so far as to say, well, I think Robert E. Lee was a great American or Stonewall Jackson or Jefferson Davis, you don't want to go that far. You just want to go to the point where I think we should preserve these monuments because it's part of American history. They should stay as they are, not be contextualized, nothing. They should just stay as they are. Well, you're called a racist for that. And so people will back down very quickly because they don't want to be charged with that uh, particular thought crime. So uh, this is where the left, because of emotivism, is very, very strong. And they're going to continue to be strong if people will bow to that. And I think there's there's a reaction coming to this. And maybe the left will outlive or out, out if they'll just wear it out. It won't matter as much anymore uh, because people will start looking at it for what it is, like a civic religion, and it really has no meaning. The term racist has no meaning in America anymore. Um, it's lost all its anchor, all its, all its connection, all its connotations. It's lost everything. So maybe people might just say, yeah, okay, whatever, we're not, and move on from there because uh, they get tired of bending to petulant children who are throwing fits all the time. And that's essentially what all of this is. And that's what Caspi Lee points out in this piece on the Richmond monuments, including the mayor of Richmond, who's throwing a little temper tantrum right now. So, uh, I mean, this is, this is where all of this is going and all of it has come from. The Arlington monument's no different. It shouldn't be taken down. It's in a cemetery. The Naming Commission had no purview over cemeteries, and that's exactly where the monument's located, in a cemetery. Um, it shouldn't come down at all. It should be blocked by a judge. And uh, of all the things that they... I think they overstepped their boundaries on that one completely. They had control over military installations like uh, Fort Benning or Fort Bragg. They could rename all that stuff to cost the taxpayers tens of millions of dollars, by the way, simply because people think uh, a name is offensive. I mean, I'm always reminded of the, of the student at an Alabama community college when she was confronted by someone from uh, Yale who came down to Alabama and uh, went to uh, Calhoun Community College and asked if the student, an Afri young African-American student, if she was offended by the name on the building, if it made it hard to go to class. And her response was, you mean to tell me that there are people in, that are going to an Ivy League school that can't go to class because of a name on a building? Basically, these people are that stupid. 
I'm here trying to get an education, advance my life. I don't care what name's on the building. I just want to get a degree so I can go get a better job. I mean, this is where these people are so out of touch with most Americans, mainstream Americans. They are not living in reality. And if you still polled Americans, the vast majority would still believe that monuments need to stay where they are. And if they actually knew what was happening, and I think if you polled Americans about the Arlington Confederate Monument, the, the vast majority would say that they believe that monument should stay. I don't think you'd find a majority the other way, and this is a real travesty. So that monument aside, let's talk about this piece on the Virginia Monuments by Caspi Lee. Now, he is, he is uh, someone who writes a lot about art, and so this is certainly going to take the position of art, and I think that's where people are going with this now. They're looking at this and think, saying, this is barbarism. Why are we taking down works of art for political reasons. So he says, Charlottesville's public spaces suffered major, major degradation after George Floyd's killing, thanks to the removal of five noteworthy statuary works erected between 1909 and 1924. A Confederate sentinel known as Johnny Reb perched on an elaborate pedestal flanked by two cannons in front of the Albemarle County Courthouse. Equestrian statues of Robert E. Lee and Stonewall Jackson, a Lewis and Clark monument that included the crouching figure of their of their Shoshone interpreter Sacagawea, and a monument to Revolutionary War hero George Rogers Clark, famous for his exploits in what became the Northwest Territory. This tribute to the conqueror of the Northwest includes seven figurines and a uh, cenographic tableau, with Clark alone on horseback as his party encountered a group of Indians. Except for the Johnny Reb, these monuments were the work of noted artists and individually designated on the National Register of Historic Places, as well as the Virginia Landmarks Register. All, again, including ex excepting the Johnny Reb, were donated by an exceptionally generous philanthropist, investment banker, Paul Goodloe McIntyre. All ran afoul of racial grievance activists, whether black or Native American, and their in indispensable coterie of woke white allies convinced that the monument's removal will somehow improve the lives of historically marginalized minorities. It won't, and the grievance community will just move on to the next hot-button issue. And this is true. I mean, I think that's the important thing to get out of this. We take down the monument in New Orleans on Lee Circle. Crime has only gotten worse. The city's only gotten worse. But yet, we don't have that monument anywhere. So we use all that money. We can't have good sewers and good streets, but we can use money to take down a monument that's offensive. This is where all this stuff is just stupid. And it's simply the latest outrage. And as he said, Lee is correct. They'll move on to something else, the next outrage. It'll be Thomas Jefferson. It'll be George Washington. Notably here, it's George Rogers Clark, a founding father. It's Lewis and Clark, right? Lewis and Clark, George Rogers Clark, and uh, William Clark were brothers. So it's, it's these people. Uh, they're not Confederates. <laughs> unless you count George Rogers Clark as a Confederate because he lived under the Articles of Confederation. Same thing with Meriwether Lewis and William Clark. Um, so, I mean, these people are not, um, they're not Confederates. It's just American history we're talking about here. Only the handsomely decorated pink granite pedestal, the Lewis and Clark, rising from a lushly planted traffic island, remains. Evidently, the pedestal is considered pol politically acceptable in the statuary's absence, especially that of the un unacceptably subordinate figure of Sacagawea. Charlottesville historic fabric boasts a strikingly intimate scale that the statues greatly enri enriched. The solemn figure of Lee, portrayed returning from his surrendered Appomattox, 
was situated at the crest of a gentle incline in the downtown square, while Jackson, shown riding at a brisk pace during the Shenandoah Valley campaign, animated a park alongside the fine brick county courthouse. The nearby figure of Johnny Reb, sheltered by a lofty elm, terminated a street axis, while the courthouse, with its elegant white trim and ionic portico, provided a classic backdrop. The Clark Statuary Group anchored another small park on the University of Virginia's campus, located a short walk from Thomas Jefferson's Magisterial Rotunda. The Lee statue removed from the downtown square in July 2021 has attracted the most attention. Last December, Charlottesville's city council approved, in a procedurally shady manner, a midnight resolution to hand the bronze over to the city's Jefferson School African American Heritage Center so that it could be melted down into ingots and recast as an artwork reflecting contemporary community values. Backers of this Swords into Plowshares project included George Soros's Open Society Foundations and UVA's Democracy Initiative, the latter supported by the now-woke Andrew W. Mellon Foundation. Documents that the Heritage Center ex- expeditiously submitted to the city provided a detailed plan to proceed with the cutting up and transport of the statue from the city yard, where it was being stored into a Tennessee foundry within two weeks of the council vote. For months, it seemed the statue had most likely been destroyed. So the Lee statue comes down. The idea was we're going to cut it up and melt it. Now, what's interesting about that, and all these anti-statue people have pointed this out before. Hey, during the American War for Independence, they took down a statue of George III and they melted it down. And this is exactly what we're doing. We're taking down tyranny and melting it down. In fact, they made that statue into bullets and they shot at the Redcoats with it. I'm sure these people would love to melt the Lee statue down into bullets and perhaps, you know, uh, take a couple of cracks at some Confederate reenactors or something. I don't know. But, I mean, this is what these people want. So, and they've, they've got precedent. America has taken down statues before. We should do it again, particularly with these bad guys like Robert E. Lee. We know that People like Booker T. Washington thought there should be Confederate monuments up to the best of the South. And Lee was always considered the best of the South. North and South. Americans North and South regarded him as that. Particularly uh, in the couple of decades after the war was over when the tensions had subsided just a little bit. And people could reflect with a little more indifference. And uh, they, they thought, well, I mean, Lee did exhibit the characteristics that made America what it was, and we should honor Robert E. Lee. So we're going to take it down, and as he gets into this piece, all the things that have happened to you are legally dubious. They're legally dubious, and that's the problem. But you see, you have to rely on a court system that wants to take these cases and will do the right thing, devoid of politics. This is what Jamel Bowie was talking about. Well, we've got judges that are too politically charged. Because we don't really have an impartial judiciary. But the plot is thickened. In April, a Charlottesville Circuit Court judge, Paul M. Uh, Petros, issued a letter opinion provisionally ruling that the city council vote violated 2020 statue war monuments legislation that permits local governments to remove, relocate, contextualize, or cover war monuments, Civil War monuments included, but not to alter or destroy them. Most importantly, the Heritage Center, which mainly functions as a museum, stated in a June court filing that while it still intends to melt the Lee statue down, it had so far only disassembled it. It is not known whether the delay resulted from the center's meltdown plan going awry 
and in fact it's not certain what its meltdown plan was. According to the documentation it submitted to the city last December, a team sent by Venetti's Gallery and Foundry, headquartered in Nashville, was supposed to handle the disassembly and transport of the statue to Tennessee for melting down. Co-owners of Venetti's told me earlier this year that they had nothing to do with the operation and first heard of it from news reports. So is the statue still around? Is it still there? Does the museum actually still have it and it's not destroyed yet? Well, it sounds like this is the case. But what's interesting about all of this, you know, Alabama has a law that says it's going to be $25,000 a charge if you cover monuments. They just found wealthy donors who start paying the fee. They don't care. The charge isn't enough. It needs to be $250,000, $500,000. It needs to be so punitive that, you, that a donor, a wealthy donor, would go broke trying to fund it. Or maybe they could just start paying the states. You know, if they have $250 million, make it a $500,000 or a million fine. They could do it 25 times or 250 times, I guess. Once they have 25, 250 million, they could do it 250. They could do it for 250 days, $1 million a day. And within a year, they'd run out of cash. And so that would be a nice dent, make a nice in, you know, imprint on the uh, state budget, I guess. $250 million just to make it to where a monument can be covered. You make it punitive like that, and it wouldn't last but a day, and they'd stop. $25,000 is not enough. Alternatively, the delay might reflect the center's own doubts about the legality of the city council action, which prompted a lawsuit from two Virginia foundations that, like the center, submitted offers for the Lee Monument. One, the Trevelin Station Battlefield Foundation owns a 2,500-acre uh, at the site of the Civil War's largest all-cavalry battle, while the other, the Ratcliffe Foundation, owns a rural house museum associated with a brother of Confederate Cavalry Commander Jeb Stewart. Aside from the state's monuments legislation, the plaintiffs charged the city with violations of Virginia's Procurement Law and Freedom of Information Act, and in his April letter opinion, Petros overruled the city's motions to have these charges dismissed. He also dismissed charges against the center, though it remains a party to the suit. In October, at an October 10 hearing, the judge declined to render summary judgment in the case. A bench trial will take place in February. In the meantime, a protective order Petros issued late last month authorizes the plaintiff's legal team and experts of their choosing to inspect the Lee statue, which was cut up into half a dozen pieces before its removal from the Charlottesville yard. Inspection is essential to determining whether the statue can be restored to its original state and thus what kind of relief the judge can prescribe. For example, whether he can order the city to issue a new solicitation of offers for the Lee Monument, whose disassembled stone pedestal remains in the yard, and that raises another question. Should Petros order a new solicitation? Will he instruct the city to forbid the monument's future destruction or alteration as a condition of its transfer to new ownership? In any event, the protective order requires the statue's location to remain secret for the time being. So here is a judge actually doing his job and saying, you know what y'all just did? You violated the law. And you can't do that. Now, Lee is skeptical, and I think rightly so, as to whether this judge is going to do the right thing and say, you can't touch it. You can't destroy it. It has to, because of the law, it has to remain like this. So that's a win. Right? This is a slight win. And the thing is, same thing with the Confederate monument in Arlington. If the judges do the right thing, I think that our side has enough legal standing to stop most of these things, even in states where it looks like it can't happen. Now, you have to rely on Republicans, which any time that you put your faith in Republicans, you're bound to be disappointed. 
And the same thing is with Youngkin, right? I mean, Glenn Youngkin is, uh, is a disaster um, on this issue in particular. But uh, at least the court is doing what it's supposed to do. And there are people out there, there are organizations that would love to have these Confederate monuments. Put them in parks and do things to preserve them uh, so that these can be enjoyed by generations into the future. And they're not in places that are in public squares, so um, that's something. But we know, for example, the Jefferson Davis Monument, um, which was painted on, destroyed. It was put in a museum in that condition. It should be. I mean, that that monument has been destroyed. All of the people that are involved in that should be fined excessive amounts of money and told you're going to put it back in its original form. If you're going to take down this monument, then it should be put right back up in its original form because you have a bid process. And somebody could get that Jefferson Davis monument from Richmond, for example, and put it right back up wherever they want to with a bid. Should the city lose at trial, it can appeal. The case will likely drag on for some time. And where Confederate monuments are concerned, Virginia's Supreme Court showed itself to be closely aligned with the woke with its landmark September 2021 decision permitting former Governor Ralph Northam to remove Richmond's majestic Lee Monument, which stood on Monument Avenue, once one of the nation's finest thoroughfares as well as a national historic landmark for over 130 years. The case of Charlottesville Lee matters because woke activists can be relied upon to push the iconic classic envelope. Exactly right. If the statue is destroyed, a truly toxic precedent will have been set, one especially threatening to the dozen Richmond monuments with Confederate associations removed from Monument Avenue and other sites in 2020 and 2021. In that light, it is worth noting that letters to the Charlottesville City Council supporting the Lee meltdown came not only from the interim director of the Blackest History Museum, and Culture Center in Richmond, but also the director of a major River City Museum, the Valentine. In January, Richmond City Council donated the banquet, I'm sorry, the banished city-owned monuments to the BHM, an institution with inadequate resources and facilities for their upkeep and display. So you have this museum that has no money. It has no facilities, but they're given there. They're donated by the city council. Can they even do that? Can they donate them? Because, again, the law said, and as he's going to talk about, there should have been a bid process on these. But the city, oh, we're just going to donate it. Also included in the donation, initially trumpeted by Mayor LaVar Stoney, was the formerly state-owned Lee Equestrian. The shrink-wrapped 12-ton statue and its titanic 40-foot-tall granite-encased pedestal now languish in a state of dismemberment, along with the other Confederate monuments on the grounds of Richmond's wastewater treatment plant. A Richmond judge's recent ruling makes it very likely that the last Confederate standing on the streets of Richmond, A.P. Hill, a bold if erratic commander in Lee's Army of Northern Virginia, will soon be joining his brothers-in-arms at the plant. This larger-than-life statue and its tall pedestal, situated in a traffic roundabout on Richmond's north side, have, pa- have posed a more complicated case because they surmount Hill's grave. A contract between the city and the BHM makes the donation contingent on the BHM coming up with a workable plan for taking possession of the monuments. Under the contract, the Valentine will pay an essential supporting role in determining their future use. It would not be surprising if philanthropies, excuse me, such as the Mellon Foundation, which in 2020 launched a $250 million initiative for the reconfiguration of the nation's commemorative landscape along woke lines, gets involved. Everything's on the table, Marlon Buckner, the BHM Interdirector, replied last February when asked if the Charlottesville meltdown could serve as a precedent for Richmond. 
Buckner resigned in June by mutual agreement with the museum, but it would be foolish to discount his menacing remark. A former congressional staffer and Microsoft lobbyist in Washington, Buckner is married to Melody Barnes, one-time director of President Obama's Domestic Policy Council and now a law professor at UVA and co-director of its Democracy Initiative, a key backer of the Charlottesville meltdown through its so-called memory project. So look at all this nepotism and all these things working together. So this guy is the BHM interim director, or um, and he, he steps down. His wife is head of the Democracy Initiative, and it's just surprising they get the monuments. You see, this is how this all works. It's how the left works. All the nepotism, it's not just the left, it's all these establishment people, whether on the right or the left. This is how it all works. Outside forces really don't have a shot. They're, the, the system is rigged. The contract Buckner signed in May with the city of Richmond on the BHM's behalf suggests that where Richmond's Confederate monuments are concerned, everything really is on the table. The contract, obtained under the Virginia Freedom of Information Act by Charlottesville resident Philip Andrew Hamilton, 35, a libertarian businessman and LSAT tutor, contains no conditions regarding their long-term physical integrity or conservation or any acknowledgement of their artistic significance. The only abiding condition concerning the statue's future use is a ban on their contributing to, quote, perpetuation of what is commonly referred to as the lost cause ideology and the commemoration of a pre-Civil War historical perspective that included slavery as an accepted practice. That's it. So they can be, they can do anything, but if they have that, which of course to them is their original intent, <laughs> then they can do anything they want with them. This is, I mean, this is absolutely lunacy. That's what these people are. They're lunatics. They're mentally deranged lunatics. So there's no infringement on the contract between the city and the museum when, thanks to a loan from the BHM, the Valentine and its opportunistic director, William J. Martin, opted to exhibit the battered, paint-splattered Jefferson Davis statue from Monument Avenue's grandiose tribute to the Confederate president lying on his back with vestiges of a toilet paper noose wrapped around the figure's neck by rioters during the George Floyd mayhem, still in place. The statue on display in its ravaged state since last June is the work of Edward Virginius Valentine, a prominent Richmond sculptor and brother of the museum's founder. So there's no infringement because they can do whatever they want to it as long as they don't put it back the way it originally was, which is in their mind is the perpetuation was commonly referred to as a lost cause. Okay, so that's the contract. The city of Richmond and the contract. This is the contract they signed. But does that violate state law? Because is that monument then destroyed? The Robert E. Lee Equestrian that once adorned Monument Avenue was deeded to Virginia, along with the spacious turfed circle it occupied until last year, under a restrictive covenant entailing the guarantee of the statue of the state, I'm sorry, that would hold said statue and pedestal and ground perpetually sacred to the monumental purpose to which they have been devoted. That covenant, authorized by an 1889 joint resolution of the Virginia legislature, did not deprive the state of the right to transfer ownership of the monument and its plot of land to another party. The question is whether former Democratic Governor Ralph Northam had the right to abrogate the covenant and order the Lee Monument's removal on the grounds that it amounted to government speech that deviated from current public policy. In condoning Northam's action, Virginia's Supreme Court may have dealt a significant blow to the sanctity of contracts. In a Hail Mary petition to the U.S. Supreme Court filed on behalf of former Lee Monument neighbors, 
a distinguished attorney, Patrick M. McSweeney, warned that the Virginia court's capricious decision, if not overruled, would have serious ramifications, not only for, for in Virginia and not only for Civil War monuments, but also for conservation and preservation easements, development agreements between governments and private parties that included deed restrictions or other conditions, agreements related to donations to hospitals, universities, and charities, and virtually any state government contract whenever a government official or judge may decide unilaterally, as Northam did, that a state contract offends public policy. The Roberts Court denied the petition without comment in March. Here's your Republicans. The Roberts Court denied the petition. So there was a, an attempt to sue in the Supreme Court to overrule Virginia's decision here. Now, I just talked about yesterday how the federal, how the state court should have all the power. And in this case, it is a Virginia issue. Now, there isn't really any federal decision to be made here. So the Roberts Court is um, not part of this. But of course, you could say this is a contract issue between citizens and the state, but um, maybe. But uh, this is where you know all this gets a little gray. So he says, John Marshall, the nation's greatest jurist and one who well understood the vulnerability of contracts and to the heated vicissitudes of politics must be turning over in his Richmond grave. So contracts, right? I mean, the, the famous case is the Dartmouth College case with John Marshall where um, he got involved in a state contract dispute. So the Supreme Court had a precedent here. They could have gotten involved in this if they wanted to. But again, this is the Republicans. They don't really want to because... I don't think many of them really care if these monuments are there or not. It, it doesn't matter to them. They look at this issue as Democrats versus Republicans. Before leaving office in January, Northam unflatteringly nicknamed Governor Blackface after his medical school yearbook page featuring a photo of a young man in blackface and another in a hooded KKK attire turned up in 2019, handed this disassembled Lee monument and its former site to the city of Richmond. Whether he had the legal authority to do so without making it possible for other parties to bid for the monument through a pub publicly announced process, which he did not do, is unclear. Much more legally problematic is Richmond's donation of its Confederate monuments to the BHM. The city established a formal process for transferring ownership of its banished landmarks in accordance with the 2020 War Monuments legislation and received more than 20 offers for the statues, excluding the Lee. The BHM never submitted a bid for the monuments, so it has no business acquiring them. That's so important. So the city actually set up a process where you could bid for the monuments. 20 bids came in, 20 offers to pay for them or take them came in. The BHM never submitted a, never submitted a bid, but it got them anyways. Why? Because of nepotism. This is amazing. Sad to say, no one has stepped forward to challenge the actions taken by Northern and the Richmond City Council in court. Now, this is what I started with saying. You've got people trying to raise $20,000 to stop the removal of the Arlington Monument. Nobody's taking this up in court. I mean, people need to do this. And this is what Lee is saying. Somebody's got to step up here. This is worrisome, he says. As already noted, Virginia's local governments cannot legally destroy war monuments. And if Petros's April ruling stands, they will not be permitted to contract to transfer ownership of such monuments with a view to their destruction, as Charlottesville City Council did. But so long as monumental transfers to private entities such as the BHM occur with no conservation strings attached, 
those entities would appear to be free to alter or destroy the monuments they acquire. The director of LaxArt, a Los Angeles visual art space, last year paid Charlottesville $50,000 for a Stonewall equestrian, recently gushed at the prospect of Chicago-based Bethany Collins, a multidisciplinary artist whose conceptual-driven work is fueled by a critical exploration of how race and language interact, in her gallery's words, displaying granite from the monument's beautifully decorated but grievously vandalized pedestal cut into an array of rose petals, such as Charleston uh, Freedwoman laid on the graves of Union soldiers in May 1865. The Stonewall pedestal's front featured winged, allegorical figures of valor and faith whose toes and figures were broken and noses chipped off by leftist agitators, two of whom, both white men, were arrested at the statue site in December 2019, charged with felony vandalism and trespassing and given slaps on the wrist in the form of suspended 30-day sentences after pleading no contest. So again, where is where's, where's the legal system here? Laxart Stonewall purchasers also from the same solicitation process through which the Heritage Center acquired the Lee, though without any indication in this case of what might be done with it. The purchase could result in the Stonewall bronze itself being reconfigured or melted down. Both options, along with maintaining the statue intact, were noted by the Laxart director, Hasma Walker, in an interview with the Charlottesville Daily Progress last July. He also revealed Collins' pedestal into rose petal scheme in the interview. The somehow transformed Stonewall Monument we displayed in the fall of 2023 in an exhibit that lacks art and LA's Museum of Contemporary Art are organizing. Some 15 decommissioned Confederate-linked statues from several cities, Richmond of course included, will be juxtaposed to woke works of contemporary art. Not surprisingly, lead support for the exhibit is being provided by the Mellon Foundation, according to Lax Art website. Whatever happens to the Stonewall Equestrian, a spokeswoman for Lax Art and Mocha had no comment on Walker's Daily Progress interview, saying planning for the ex- exhibition is still underway. His remarks show just how deeply ingrained anti-racist lunacy has become within certain sectors of our cultural elite. I mean, again, he's pointed out this is lunacy. These people are lunatics. I, I can't even I can't say it better. Th- this is the problem, but you don't have anybody really trying to block this in the establishment because the establishment's behind all of it. They don't care whether the Republican or Democrat, they don't really care. And it's all a sham. White supremacists such as the Unite the Right crew that covered converged on Charlottesville in 29, uh, I'm sorry, October 2017 to protest the city council's vote to remove the Lee Monument have scant political traction in today's Virginia. But you wouldn't know that given the enormous coverage accorded to their clash with a far larger contingent of counter-protesters that left one of the latter dead as a result of vehicular homicide. What the success of wokedoms anti-monument jihad in Charlottesville and Richmond has really demonstrated is the left's increasing political dominance of southern cities, as well as its ability to make a mockery of the law. That's the important part, to make a mockery of the law. The law is no shield because the courts won't back it. And... People just get slaps on the wrist for things that, if it was reversed, would be, I mean, people would be thrown under the jail. Imagine if someone went into uh, some leftist monument, I don't care which one it is, and they started protesting and started chipping away and taking it down. Those people would be put under the jail for that. You can do this to Confederate monuments, though. You can do it to the Founding Fathers, and it doesn't matter, and the courts won't back contracts. This is the real problem. It has also demonstrated the near irrelevance in such locales of old-line heritage organizations such as the Sons of Confederate Veterans and the United Daughters of the Confederacy. 
The Richmond headquarters of the UDC, which once took the leading role in erecting many a monument to the lost cause, were torched during the 2020 Black Lives Matter Antifa riots. A possible harbinger of better things to come is Charlottesville's Monument Fund, which has supported litigation in defense of the city's Lee and Jackson monuments. The organization's website makes the historically and culturally informed case that eradicating the city's monumental legacy has left its public realm flatter and dumber. Instead of slogans, it offers common sense, which has been in short supply in recent years. For most people, appreciation of the artistic value or historical significance of Confederate monuments, caricatured in the woke media's cultic veneration, has nothing to do with airbrushing the South's history. But Virginia's Republican governor, Glenn Youngkin, wants to sweep the Confederate monuments issue under the rug. Again, here's Glenn Youngkin. If you put your faith in Republicans, you're bound to be disappointed. He's never questioned the removal of the Richmond and Charlottesville monuments, merely insisting that banished statues and pedestals be consigned to museums or battlefields so that we don't lose our history. Of course, when you have somebody on his, uh, on his historical board, like Anne McLean, who would be ju- doing just that, she gets fired. As far as I know, he has said absolutely nothing about the real danger woke fanaticism poses to the physical integrity and even survival of important Confederate monuments. He should have long since adopted a simple three-word general policy guideline for statuary in the Old Dominion's public squares. Addition, not subtraction. My three words would be better, and I've said it before. No, shut up. (laughs) That would be better. Right, no, shut up. Indeed, commemorative works reflecting outlooks and sensibilities far removed from those that underlay Confederate monuments creation have appeared in both Richmond and Charlottesville of late. But they fall well short of those cities' decommissioned monuments in terms of artistic achievement. And as commemorative tributes to Confederate leaders disappear from civic spaces, the South is a distinctive regional and historical entity whose glories have often been closely intertwined with its intimies gets diluted. In its decision greenlighting the Richmond Lee's removal, Virginia Supreme Court ruled that the monument's contractual protections were unreasonable because they compelled government speech by forcing the Commonwealth to express in perpetuity a message with which it now disagrees. And that punitive message, the justice averred, boiled down to a plug for the lost cause and slavery. How ridiculous. How can this magnificent artwork, a monument to a great commander whose courage and sacrifice have inspired countless American warriors, a monument whose uh, elegiac character acknowledges, as Lee himself very forthrightly acknowledged after Appomattox, that the lost cause really was lost, and so the nation would henceforth be one and indivisible, a monument that has inevitably accumulated complex meanings over the years, possibly be reduced to so simplistic a message. Democratic U.S. Senator Tim Kaine was governor of Virginia when the statues, oh, I'm sorry, when the State's Department of Historic Resources added the Richmond Lee to the Virginia His- Landmarks Register. Is Kaine, who recently joined the woke jihad by pushing for elimination of the name Robert E. Lee Memorial from Arlington House at Arlington National Cemetery, thus guilty of having subscribed to a racist message? Is he guilty of subscribing to a racist message for having rescinded for decades, I'm sorry, having resided for decades on a Richmond Boulevard that until 2020 was named Confederate Avenue? I mean, this is a good question for Tim Kaine, but of course, this is an issue. He wants to take Lee off of Arlington House, which is just uh, ridiculous. It was his house. The progressive left has succeeded brilliantly in infantilizing many Virginians' understanding of their history through the relentless preaching of white guilt. Maybe the first step toward the restoration of cultural sanity would be for members of the Virginia legislature to demand that Attorney General Jason Mayaris, another Republican who has proved disappointingly inactive on the monuments issue, 
State his position on the legality of the Charlottesville meltdown resolution and the donation of the Richmond statues to the BHM. Youngkin and MIRS should be doing everything in their power to see it to it that Virginia's monumental heritage gets the respect and legal protection that it deserves. I agree. Uh, this is a great piece by Kat, uh, Kate Speed Lee. And uh, um, I mean, it's fantastic. I, apparently, Lee is now working for the American conservative quite a bit, which is uh, interesting um, and writing on art, not just Confederate monuments, but all kinds of art. He actually wrote a piece on uh, the Lincoln Memorial, uh, which is now under attack. Um, not the not the Lincoln Memorial that you think of, but a Lincoln statue that's under attack. And defending that, he's not a, a, a quote-unquote neo-Confederate, uh, but he does appreciate Confederate history, and he does appreciate Southern history, and um, he thinks that these things should remain. And I agree wholeheartedly. Um, but this is a great piece, and it's, it's even-handed. It's not um, over-the-top. It simply asks questions, and it puts pressure on Republicans to do the right thing. Unfortunately, the people that would support a message like this don't have as much of a voice as they used to, and uh, that means that all these things will probably proceed and that none of the stuff that he brings up will actually happen. Um, when you, Again, when you rely on Republicans and a Republican-controlled court system, you're bound to be disappointed. All right. See you tomorrow on the Brian McClanahan Show. See you then.